Soundprints Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Soundprints is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to Soundprints for the week of January 3, 2021. We hope all of you have had a wonderful holiday season. It's a given that many of our activities and events were very different this year, but there were many positives that are worthy of note. The hours and days of special Christmas programming on the ACB Radio Cafe, Treasure Trove, and Community Channels, the New Year's Eve celebration sponsored by the ACB Next Generation ACB affiliate, the ACB Community Thon that raised approximately $10,500 to support ACB's good work while providing information and entertainment to bring in 2021. These are all ways that people all over the country were able to share the holidays through the power of ACB Radio. With the new year comes some announcements and reminders that might help you connect with virtual activities of interest to you. Here are some events from the January calendar. ACB Lions has permanently moved its meetings to Zoom as part of the ACB Community Calls. Lion still meets on the first Thursday of the month at 9 p.m. Eastern. Check the ACB Community Events or ACB Lions email list for call information. For information about ACB Lions, call Carla Rushevel at 502-897-1472. ACB Families meets the first and third Sunday of each month. The first Sunday includes a speaker or discussion topic and is on both Zoom and ACB Radio. The meeting on the third Sunday includes organization business and sometimes a speaker as well. Watch for details on the ACB community events and families email lists. Both calls are at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. For information about ACB families, call Carla Rushville at 502-897-1472. Most meetings and events sponsored by the Kentucky Council of the Blind and its chapters have moved to the KCB Zoom line as of January 1. This includes activities such as the weekly GLCB roundabouts and chapter committee and board meetings. Chapters utilizing the KCB Zoom line include the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind, KCB Next Generation, KCB Council of Citizens with Low Vision, Guide Dog Users of Kentuckyana, Tri-State Library Users, and the Support Alliance of Visually Impaired. Now you can dial the same number for all your KCB calls. That number is 669-900-6833 and the code is 862-9889-6972. Here's a list of events happening during January. January 6th and January 20. The Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision invites everyone to its Low Vision Support Calls at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. January 7 and January 21. 
KCB Scholarship Committee will meet at 8.30 p.m. January 8, 15, 22, and 29. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will hold roundabouts from 7.30 to 9.30 Eastern Time. January 9, GLCB will hold its board meeting at 11 a.m. January 12, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired will meet at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. January 13, the KCB PR Membership Committee meets at 8 p.m. Eastern. January 14, KCB Next Generation will hold a meeting at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Please note that this meeting has moved from the second Sunday of the month to the second Thursday of the month. On the third Saturday of the month, this month being January 16, the Tri-State Library users will hold a board meeting and membership meeting at 11 a.m. This month, we'll begin planning for a potential Reader's Theater. On Monday, January 18, the Kentucky Council of the Blind Board will have its monthly conference call. Monday, January 25th, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired will hold its Budget Committee meeting at 9 p.m. Eastern. And on Monday, January 25th, the Guide Dog Users of Kentuckyana will hold its meeting at 7 p.m. Eastern. On Thursday, January 28th, KCB Next Generation will hold a support call at 8 p.m. Eastern. Visit www.kentucky-acb.org slash events, E-V-E-N-T-S, for an up-to-date list of meetings and activities. Call our new audio information line at 773-527-6318 for reminders of meetings and programs or watch your inbox for news from the Kentucky Council of the Blind. And speaking of our audio information service, you can now listen to the KCB newsletter, sound prints, a calendar of upcoming events, and selected items posted to the KCB email list all on this new service. Choose item 1 from the menu to hear important phone numbers, item 2 to hear about upcoming events, item 8 to hear the KCB newsletter, and item 9 to hear sound prints. Options 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7 are reserved for posts from the email list. We hope this will help those of you who do not have email or who cannot access our list information on a daily basis. Again, that number to call to reach the information line is 773-572-6318. Joe Elliott is a well-known name in radio in Louisville. Joe was a 1976 graduate of the Kentucky School for the Blind, and he has worked in many facets of radio throughout his adult life. We were extremely fortunate to have Joe as a speaker at our 2020 virtual KCB conference and convention. For those of you who missed his presentation, and for those of you who would like to hear it again, we've included it on this week's Sound Prints. Thanks so much, Joe, for being a part of our convention and for sharing with us how you, as a blind person, have adapted over the years to the ever-changing radio environment. We hope that you have enjoyed this week's Sound Prints and that you will listen again this next week for more information from the Kentucky Council of the Blind. 
If you'd like to see an updated schedule of when Soundprints is available and the various ways you can listen to Soundprints, please visit our website at www.kentucky-acb.org slash soundprints. Page 2. We have our first speaker with us. He is Joe Elliott. He is a renowned radio broadcaster, has been in radio for many, many years here in Louisville, and many of you across the country will recognize his voice when he speaks to us because he hosted the talk show uh, in the from 9 to midnight for several years with WHAS Radio, our 50,000-watt clear channel station from here in Louisville. Have to be a little careful about calling it a clear channel station now because the name is uh, iHeart, but clear channel not in the name, but in the... Uh, in the connotation of it being a 50,000-watt station and being heard across 38 states in the country at night. We are so happy to have Joe with us. He is a graduate of Butler University, uh, with a had a degree in communications from Butler, and he is a graduate of the Kentucky School for the Blind. We are very proud of all of his accomplishments, and he's going to be telling us about the changes in radio over the years and how he has adjusted to those changes and made each of those steps accessible to a blind person. Joe, we've been hoping to have you with us for many years as a speaker, and I can tell you personally that I am just thrilled that you are here to talk with us this morning. So welcome, and we're looking forward to hearing what you have to tell us. Well, thank you so much, Carla, and I really appreciate you guys inviting me. I'm sure I know many of you. I haven't seen the the list here, but I I know I know a lot of you. It's kind of a small community, and we know each other. For others that I haven't met, I'm glad to have the chance to at least virtually meet you. We're we're not doing anything in person these days, but still, it's a it's a great chance to to visit with you. You know, I really sort of look back on things, and I'm I'm kind of nearing more the end of my career now. I, I'm still working with uh, WHAS Radio 840, News Radio 840, WHAS is the moniker these days. And But I'm kind of at the point now where I'm, I'm filling in. I probably work, I want to say, maybe eight to ten days a month somewhere in there. Filling in primarily on the morning and afternoon drive shows. Uh, have been with the station off and on since 1988. Left and came back, and and really it's been a, it's been a great ride for me. And I really realize how incredibly fortunate I am. And and you know I've just had this relationship with radio, this this love relationship with radio for a long time. And I, I think many people who are visually impaired have the same kind of, of love for it, I guess because we spend so much time with it. And maybe as kids, we spent so much time with it. I was one of those kids who always wanted to be on the radio. Really, from the time I could talk, I wanted to be on the radio. And I, my, my parents actually had to make me go outside sometimes. That's, that's how it was. I wanted to hang out with the, with the people on the radio. I thought that was like the coolest place in the world to be. I knew all the stations, all the station's personnel, who was on at what time, what they did, all of that kind of stuff. It was just magic to me. I mean, it could take me all kinds of places. It could allow me to experience different things that I would have never have experienced otherwise. I was a, I was a news junkie as a little kid, and I, I loved the idea that I could be right in touch with Washington or, you know, wherever it was. And the 
the guys who got to do the news, they, they got to be in the middle of that. I love sports and, and gosh, the guys on the radio, they got to travel with the teams and get to know the coaches and the players and stuff. And then most of all, I love the music. I was of the top 40 era. I loved rock and roll. I, I, was, I thought I was born to play the hits. You know, I was just obsessed with it as a little kid. And it's the thing that I have always wanted to do. Um, you know, I, I didn't do it alone. I, I think about this and I have to just take a moment and give so much credit to my dad who really poured his time and attention into me. He, uh, he read to me constantly. He talked to me about so many different things. And really, I'm here doing this in large part because of the, of the attention. You know, they say that kids spell love, T-I-M-E. Boy, it's absolutely true with him. And I, I owe him so much. And whenever I do a speech, I always make it a point to credit him because he, because he deserves so much credit. I went to the School for the Blind, graduated in 1976, so don't do the math, 1976, which is, you know, another century ago, um, went to college at Butler University, and in the meantime, while I was there, between my freshman and sophomore years, I'd come back home to, to Louisville. Louisville is maybe 110, 120 miles down the road from Indianapolis, so in the summer, of 77, I got a job playing records in New Albany, Indiana at a little 500-watt daytime radio station. They don't exist now, but for you younger folks, they uh, there was a time when radio stations would be on the air from sunup to sundown. And it was a great opportunity for me because you have to be bad before you can be good. And I was really bad. We, we got to, <clears throat> we played records. We did pretty much what we wanted to do. We had an absentee owner. He would come in town every few months. We'd all know when he was there. We would pay attention and do what he said when he was there. When he would hit the interstate, we were going back to doing pretty much whatever we wanted to do. It was a great time. I also worked on the college radio station, and I, I joke sometimes that I didn't really know I was blind until I went to college. I, I felt like I was really kind of isolated uh, at the school. I understand things are very different now, but it was an adjustment for me. You know, sort of learning how to work with people and and do things. I, I was was able, though, to get a job on the college radio station, played music, ultimately ended up as the, as the news director, did news and a lot of other things. And then later, I was assigned to do a talk show. Uh, it was the last thing I wanted to do. I wanted to play records. That was, that was you know, what my life was going to be. I protested, had no choice. I had to do it. Um, but you know, it really worked out. I, I did it for two weeks and absolutely loved it and decided that was the thing that I most wanted to do. Got out of school. I took whatever job was available to me. And you know, it, it was, it was difficult to find jobs. People have asked me, well, do you, did you tell people you were blind? Did you, you know, when you made the call, how did that work? There were a couple of jobs. There was one in particular where a guy offered me a job on the phone found out I was blind and, and then withdrew the offer. But for the most part, um, I was just right up front with people and, and told them, it, yes, it was a barrier. I really can't speak to it since about the early 80s because radio is a small community and certainly I've been in this market since 1984 and you know it's, it's not a secret that, that I'm visually impaired. So I, I really haven't faced that, that particular challenge, at least overtly. I did a lot of different things. I went to Salt Lake City for a while. Um, 
I, I, I did a lot of different, uh, worked for several different radio stations and, and really enjoyed doing that. And I just want to take a moment here to talk very quickly about one of the things that I tell kids all the time. And, and I really find this sometimes I think this, maybe this is my old man part of me talking here, but sometimes I think, uh, the, the younger generation doesn't quite get it in the same way. The harder you try, the more people will buy in, the more people will help you. I absolutely believe that's true. And I can look at situations in my life where that has happened. I had a, a situation for a while in the early 80s where I was teaching at a broadcast school in Louisville Monday through Friday, getting on a Greyhound in Indianapolis and doing talk radio on Saturday and Sunday afternoon. I wanted to work for the guy who was was running that station. He had a history of putting talk radio on the air, and I learned so much from him. But I lost money every time I every time I got on the bus. I had to find a place to stay. I lost money doing that. But, you know... It, it was it was really worth it, and people people really sort of warmed up to it at the radio station. I had to spend the night in the radio station one night, and they weren't happy about that, but they got it and they understood, and they were they were really sort of pulling for me. When when you have a David and Goliath situation, ain't nobody rooting for Goliath, you know. It, it really, if you if you really make the effort and try hard, and and really. I don't mean just kind of wait for somebody to do something. You really do everything you can possibly do to make it happen. I, I really think that I think it helps a, just an incredible amount. Just very quickly, many years ago, there was a there was a friend of mine who asked me to talk to this nice kid. His name was Dean, and Dean was in a, a very rural area. He wanted to be on the radio. It was his dream. He didn't live near any radio stations. He didn't have transportation. He kept talking about his dreams and things. We had a nice conversation. Three years later, my friend asked me to talk to Dean again, and Dean was in exactly the same place. And, and Dean sounds like a great kid, and I really hope things have, have worked out for him. But at the same time, Dean's going to have to sort of change the parameters. Dean's going to have to find a way. It's really going to kind of be on Dean to find a way to, uh, to make that work. So I came back to Louisville after Salt Lake City did some radio at at the old WAKY did the the morning show on WVEZ got caught up in a in a management change in 1988 and WHAS was really the place to be I really wanted to be there and Gary Bruce was running the radio he was a program director at that time and he was he, he was really very encouraging to me he said I can offer you you can be the 11th man on a 10 man team if that's if that's what you want but it'd be something to put on a resume you would work occasionally when we need you he said I thought you did a really good job over there at WVEZ and and um I'd be happy to have you work for us but it's it's not much well I jumped at the chance because I wanted to work there, and because they, at that time, they were what they called a full-service radio station. They played music, and they also did talk at night, and I really wanted to get back into talk. I had done talk in Salt Lake City, and I really wanted to get away from playing records and get back into talk. WHAS was a destination station really around the country, and I know I was the, the lowest man on the totem pole, but I really didn't care. I never said no. Anything they asked me to do, I never said no, and I just kind of found ways to kind of worm my way in, you know, to just kind of keep to keep uh, moving up. Well, a year or so later, um, we had a situation. We had a Jewish holiday, and our, our main talk show host, a legendary host by the name of Milton Metz, is Jewish, and he wanted to take the day off. Uh, the guy behind him, who was his normal fill-in, 
was also Jewish, and he generally worked Jewish holidays, but for whatever reason, this time he wanted to take the day off. And the third option was also Jewish, and he didn't want to work. So they were scrambling around trying to find somebody, and I said, Gary, please give me a shot. Once I got the shot, I was able to uh, to get a lot more talk opportunities and finally ended up in 1993 getting a chance to uh, to do the nighttime talk show on WHAS from 9 until midnight going through 2007. And that also uh, did the Sunday morning talk show, which was actually a, a much higher rated show even than the, than the nighttime show. But it was really, it, there was something magic about it. I grew up twisting the dial at night listening to KMOX in St. Louis and WBZ in Boston and KDKA in Pittsburgh and WCAU in Philadelphia, one of the legendary radio stations, listening to the talk hosts and to, to kind of be, this is before the internet now. This is before social media and, you know, iPhones and all those kind of things. And so we had quite an audience in those days of people from all around the country. And it was just, it, it's really been one of the great things for me to have a chance to kind of be in that club and to do that. I, I really, really did enjoy it. So. I love talking to the to the politicians and the business people and the sports people and, you know, all of that kind of stuff and taking calls from around the I mean, we focused on the city, but I did. We did take some calls around the country. But the, the time when radio really shines for me, the time when it is is just wonderful is when radio is really touching people in the community. My favorite shows, as crazy as it sounds, are the nights when there were when there were tornado warnings and there was some, there was severe weather and, and people really leaned on the radio. They just wanted to know that it would be okay. Uh, when there were snowstorms and we'd get calls from people all over the region, where are you? How do the roads look to you right now? Um, we'd have people who, you know, they, they might need something. They, they might get stranded and we would have people who would, who would help. We had a situation one time where we had a little girl. She was five years old. We had a horrendous snowstorm in Louisville. She was on her way to Pittsburgh, would have been on her way to Pittsburgh to get a liver transplant. And it was just impossible. Nobody was moving in the city. And because of our station, we, we got, on the, got on the air. The station has a, has a great reach in town. And we got people all over the, uh, all over the region clearing a, a, a parking lot, getting a helicopter off the ground and all kinds of things and, and trying to get this little girl to Pittsburgh in order to get her liver transplant in time. And, and that's the kind of thing that to me just makes radio so incredibly special. When radio can really touch people, when radio can really become part of the community, it's best when it's encouraging people, when it's bringing them together, when it's sharing concerns I think my favorite show of all to do is was probably our Christmas Eve show every every year. And you got to remember, this is before the internet and everybody had a cell phone and things. We'd do a five hour Christmas show from seven to midnight, play a little Christmas music. And the idea was, if you had a friend or a relative from somewhere around the country or the world, if you would let us eavesdrop on the conversation for a couple of minutes, we would put you together and you guys could talk for a while. And we had so many people who would call their their sons or daughters in Germany, you know, military people. We had we had grandmas who'd call their 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 grandson out in California. We we had marriage proposals on that on that show. We we did that for several years, and of course, it, it would be nothing now because we're all so connected. Everybody's got Zoom and FaceTime and all of that. In those days, that was really a big deal, and. 
I am, I, I really feel blessed to have been a part of that. And I also love the daily challenge. You know, if, if you're a, if you're a disc jockey, you're really as good as your music. If you're a talk show guy, it's really up to you. It's totally on you. It's, it's all about the topics you present. It's about the presentation. It's about what you bring to the table, good or bad. It's on you. And there's really nothing better. There's no high that's better when, when you do it right and pull it off and it's successful. And there's nothing worse than when you miserably fail. David Letterman has talked about this, and it is, it is so true. We, we do very different kinds of shows. But, I mean, it is, it is so true. There's no higher and no lower than when it's really good or when it's really bad. So iHeart. Clear Channel at the time, I guess, uh, which turned into iHeart later, went through a, a bunch of changes, and I got cut in a national reduction of force at the end of 2007. Uh, I managed to to stay on the air. They wanted me to stay and do the Sunday morning show, and I, I really hadn't, uh, I, I didn't have any other options at the time, so I said we would do it for a while and see how it went, and then we did some. I did some fill-in stuff with them as well. I, I stayed there for a while and then left and went across the street for about five years to another another station. A guy uh, was a he kind of came after me to to host a local talk show because he wanted to put a a talk station on the air. And I've got to tell you that was really a fun experience for me because unlike WHAS, you really had to make it up as you go. You had to do everything. We had to talk to clients and write copy and do all of those kinds of things that I really didn't have to do as much at WHAS. And, you know, we had no news department. It was all smoke and mirrors. But I've got to tell you, in some ways, that's the most fun I've ever had is to just go out there and make it up every day and try to find a way to try to find a way to make it work. In a way, though, it was kind of talk show fantasy camp, because while I felt like in some ways I did some of the best work I've done. I don't know who heard it. You know, it was, it was, it was a station that just didn't take off the, the, just didn't get off the ground in terms of, of ratings. We had a lot of other, other problems, um, budget issues and things, and it, and it just didn't work, but I wouldn't trade those five years for anything. That was a great experience for me. When that kind of ended, uh, my old boss at WHAS called me the, the day that we found out that that was ending, and he said, we would love to have you come back and do, and do fill-in stuff for us. And so I've kind of been doing that for the last several years. I've come back and done some things. And as I say, fill-in generally on the morning and afternoon show, still really enjoy it. You know, it, it's, it's very different now, but it's, it's as much fun in some ways as it's ever been. I really haven't had to make a lot of, of uh, haven't had to ask the, the station to make a lot of accommodations for me. In the old days when I was playing records and things, it, I didn't label the records, but when we went to tape cartridges, I had to label all the tape cartridges. That was a job, but it was certainly something that was, that was doable. It was the same when we were playing CDs, but when I got into talk, you really needed very little help. I used to have maybe a producer read me the weather or something, but I don't even have to have that anymore. Um, I have, uh, you know, a computer that works like everybody else's, and, and really there's very little accommodation that needs to be done. For kids breaking in today, though, it's it's a much tougher task because, first of all, 
there are the, the industry has compressed so significantly and there are there are fewer jobs and you're going to need to find a way to tap into the whatever program whatever software they're using at the radio station and that is a that is a real challenge in itself so I, i'm i'm really glad that i had the chance to do it when i had to do it because it is it is so much more difficult i think to get started now than it than it would have been um, many years ago. So radio is kind of in an interesting position. It's, it's really going to need to reinvent itself. You know, the internet has only changed everything. I mean, we've heard that for the last, I don't know how many years, and it is, it is really true. If you're in music radio, you've got a real challenge. I have 40 million songs in my pocket now. I've got Apple Music or Spotify or Amazon or, or whatever it is, and I can pull up anything I want. I can create any playlist I want. And if I have 40 million songs at my disposal, I don't really need a record collection, right? I, I, I can do anything I want for 10 bucks a month. And so it's really hard for radio stations who are sort of doing this linear thing. It's really hard for them to compete in that arena. And radio is going to have to find a way to, to make that transition. That's, that's in flux right now. Um, the, station, the, the company I work for, iHeart, is really big into podcasts. I think there's a lot of potential and promise in podcasts, but there's, there's also a real shakeout period, and most of the people who are doing podcasts are, are doing it because they love it, not because it's making them any money. Um, you know, the, the way news is changing is, is significant in radio, and and. Our news guys oftentimes are going out and shooting video and putting it on the website because it's becoming much more integrated. People don't want to get their, their audio from one place, their video from someplace else, their, their news here, their music. The people, it all comes out of their phone or it comes out of their computer. And that's, you know, it, so that is, is really changing. One of the things that hasn't really gotten a lot of publicity, but I'm really concerned about is sports and play-by-play. I'm a big sports fan, and I wonder how long radio play-by-play is going to be with us in its current form. We're already seeing some changes. Everybody's got a video screen in his pocket now. And because video is so dominant and so many people really want to see the game as opposed to listening to the game, they can pull up statistics, they can watch replays of controversial plays, all of that kind of stuff, I, I think Radio play-by-play is going to be less and less important. It's going to be less and less sustainable. Now, we're, we're not anywhere near radio play-by-play going away now, and I, I don't want to give you that impression, but even your, your high school teams, your, your junior high intramural teams are streaming their games on video now. That's going to present radio with a great challenge because – Sports has been an incredible amount, uh, an incredible revenue generator for radio stations. And finally, the talk shows, the, the thing that, that I'm most interested in, um, that has changed significantly. You know, <laughs> there was a time when talk shows made you smarter, and they still do in some cases, but in some other cases, they make you dumber. I mean, we have really changed the, the way we do talk now. Um, News talk radio has become a lot more like sports talk radio. 
We're asking you to choose your team. Are you for the Yankees or the Red Sox? Duke or North Carolina? The Cards or the Cats? What? Who's your team? What is it you want? Those other guys, they're evil. Our team is good. Your team is evil. And we see that. We see that polarization in cable news. We see it on, on talk radio. And it, and it really is disturbing. We're all talking past each other. My team is good. Your team is bad. Everything that's wrong in the country is your fault. My team, we could get it fixed if it wasn't for you evil people. It's just, it's, it's really, it's very disturbing. And we see that going on right now. The other thing we've kind of introduced in news talk is sort of the, what I call the art bellization of, of news talk radio. Uh, art bell, for those of you who don't know, was a gentleman who had a long career uh, doing late night conspiracy shows and he'd talk about ghosts and he'd talk about uh, all kinds of strange things. I remember he had a guy on one night who felt like he was, in fact, he was in the body of a horse and he was, uh, he was trying to find himself. And uh, Art had all kinds of crazy things going on here, but we have sort of adopted some of those crazy conspiracies because as crazy as they are, it's really hard to turn off the radio. And some people absolutely love it. So whether it's sports or talk or news or music, radio has many, many challenges. I think, we will, I think we will meet the challenges. There was a time, maybe 60 years ago, when people said, radio's done, man. It's over. Television, television is just taken over. Radio had to totally change. The, the dramas were gone. The block formatting was gone. Radio became a very different kind of medium. And I don't know what the answer is going to be, but radio is going to have to be, uh, it's, it's going to have to find its, its own way again. You know, we're, we're more connected than ever in some ways. And in some ways, we're less connected than ever. I think people feel like the whole world is just sort of spinning by them. There's so much anger in the country now. And, and a lot of that is because I feel like we're really not connected and I'm not sure how it's going to happen, but I think that is an opportunity for radio. I think there's, there's gotta be a way as tribal as we are right now, maybe there's a way that radio can help bridge that gap. I certainly hope that there's a way for that to happen. And I hope I have a chance to be a part of it. Being on the radio was really my life's dream, and I, I've really had the opportunity to live that for 43 years. I, I wouldn't change anything for for one minute. There were lots of challenges. There were some disappointments, but I, I really count myself profoundly grateful. And I know the industry still faces a lot of challenges, and, and so many of my friends who I worked with many years ago are not in radio now. The jobs are just not there. And as a friend of mine at iHeart said, there are two kinds of people in radio, those who are asked to do more and those who are asked to go home. And it's really true. Now you're having to do so many things and, and uh, do it without the kind of support people that, that we once had. So lots of challenges, but um, still lots of opportunities along the way. And it really has been just so I'm just so incredibly grateful that I've had the chance to to uh, to to be a, a small part of it, and I'm I'm hoping I can keep my little finger in it for as as long as possible. So I wanted to to thank you all for for listening to this, and and um, we did want to allow some time. If anybody has any questions or comments or anything, I, I would be happy to see what you think. 
All right. And we can take some questions. My husband was in radio for many, many years. And I certainly... Oh, really? Yeah. And I relate to a lot of the things you're saying, um, for sure. Uh, Questions? If you have a question, you can uh, star nine on your phone, dial-up phone, Alt-Y on the PC, Option-Y on the Mac, and there's a great big raising hand button in the middle of your other devices. And so far, I don't see any hands. Um, Guys, no questions yet. Um, Oh, well, yes, we do. Of course we do. Adam will will want to ask a question. All right. There you go. Joe, uh, this is Adam, and I have a couple of questions for you. Number one concerns whether radio is considered a mainstream media form or not. And I often hear some radio commentators talk about mainstream media, but it's almost like they are not including radio. And it seems to me that radio would have at least as much influence as the way newspapers are going today. And um, I was curious what you might think about that. You know, it's interesting. Our our friends who run iHeart will tell you that radio still has the same amount of proliferation that it ever did, that it is, it has People are still listening to the radio, not quite in the same way. When you and I were growing up, Adam, and I've, I've known Adam for years, when, when Adam and I were growing up, we all kind of had a radio station. You know, we had a station that we listened to. Maybe it was the top 40 station, whatever it was. When we were kids, we all had a station. I have a son who's 24. He doesn't have a radio station. His generation doesn't have a radio station. I don't know that radio quite has the same impact that it once did, but it's, it's still, people are listening to it. Um, People who are advertising on it are still getting the are still getting payoffs from it. Radio advertising still unquestionably works, but a lot of times, what you when you hear talk show hosts talk about the mainstream media, that, that's really kind of a marketing choice. We've kind of again, we're we're sort of tribal, and we're all taking, you know, we're all taking positions, and and you have a lot of. You have a lot of radio talk guys who are sort of positioning themselves against what they call the mainstream media. They are, in fact, if you have <clears throat> several million listeners, you are the mainstream media. But it, 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 I think that's really more of a more of a marketing moniker than anything else. Also, Joe, I was wondering, how do you keep up with uh, the technology to keep you in touch, uh, like your computers and and accessibility and so on? Do, do you have a a source of people that you use, and uh, have you listened to ACB radio uh, or our uh, Kentucky Council of Blind Soundprints uh, magazine to uh, see how they are? I do occasionally check in on uh, on Soundprints. Um, I'm really not as plugged into the technology as I used to be, unfortunately. I, I do think, I mean, there are several podcasts that sort of focus on this. Uh, I really do like Jonathan Mosen's podcast. I think he's he's a guy with some broadcasting chops, and he he uh, brings a lot of good information to the table. But you know, I do think I, I mean I, I kind of look back at it now, Adam, and I wonder how we ever kept up in terms of. I mean, there were so many things we didn't have. I didn't have access to newspapers every day. In fact, the the radio station for several years. Um, gave me a guy, oftentimes it was an intern or somebody, for a couple of hours a day 
would sit with me and read stuff, read mail, read newspapers and all of that kind of stuff. That doesn't clearly doesn't happen anymore. There's not, there's no people to do it and there's no money to pay for it. But in those days, you know, it was much more difficult to keep up. Now, if you have an iPhone, you, you really have a window to the world. If you have a smartphone, you have a window to the world. So, um, you know, it's pretty easy to kind of keep up with that kind of stuff. But it's great to talk to you again, Adam. I haven't talked to Adam yeah. in quite a while and always enjoy always enjoy catching up with him. Yeah, great. thank you, Joe. Um, uh, hi, Joe. This is Terry Turlaw. And I have a question hey, kind of building on it. On Adam's question, um, could you d- talk about some of the ways you had to cope with the physical hardware of radio and getting the news to read and all that stuff in the past versus what you do now? You know, really, as a as a talk show guy, when I was playing records, I had many more challenges to meet because... I would be responsible for running the control board. And so I'd have to know where all the commercials were and make sure that I got the right commercials on the air at the right time and the music and, and all those kind of things. As a, as a talk show host, I have a producer who really takes care of all that. He's on the other side, he or she is on the other side of the glass, answering the phone calls, making sure that, you know, somebody is kind of on topic and also taking care of the log and the computer and and that kind of thing. So really you'd be surprised how, how few adjustments I really have to make, um, doing, doing talk now, uh, even, even hosting our, our morning and afternoon show. Those are more you know, those are more news oriented. They really sort of depend on you to kind of keep up and they expect you to, you know, to be aware of, of what's going on. But in terms of actual, you know, actual challenges that you would have to meet because of your, of your visual impairment, there really aren't very many as a, uh, when you do what I do, but starting out, you know, for, for kids who, who maybe have to start out and they're trying to pursue a career and they, they might have to program music at a radio station or do some of those kind of things. I think that really is a challenge because the software has to match. And I mean, oftentimes people don't want to, they don't want to spend the time that the, the management team doesn't want to spend the time trying to work that out with you because there's so many people who want the job and they don't have to, that's not a hurdle they have to overcome. So but I, I'm, I've been really very fortunate getting into the, the, the talk end of this in the last 30 years or so that I really haven't had to deal with very much of that. Rick? Joe, Rick Vargas, glad to talk to you. I've followed you for many hey, years. I was just kind of curious, how has the change uh, in radio in terms of, you know, being able to, you can listen to, you know, radio any, from any place. You can listen to WHS anywhere in the world now. Right. And and how has that impacted the ability of local um, sales as far as commercial time? You know, and, and uh, because obviously, granted, that's a good thing for local uh, or uh, national, uh, you know, companies and so on. But what about that local restaurant or whatever? Uh, there's no guarantee that that audience is there uh, locally to li- literally walk in the door. How has that changed? Uh, thanks. That's a that's a really interesting question. You know what what's changed radio advertising more than anything has been things like Google and and uh, you know just it, it's that that is really different. But um, the the uh, 
most of the radio listening is done with your local stations. If you're listening to the radio, generally you are listening to, to local radio stations. So like, we really don't worry about trying to reach someone in, you know, Piscataway, New Jersey or somewhere. It, it, it just doesn't really happen anymore. And it, it is, it is so interesting. I, I've, I've seen that change when WHAS was one of the 12 clear channel, um, not, not capital see with a company name, but clear channel radio stations that would, that had the, the ability to broadcast in 38 states, it really doesn't mean anything anymore. And the FCC has, has flooded the AM band. You, you really can't get us in 38 states anymore. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter anymore because everything is on the internet anyway. So I think that because you can pick up radio stations from all over, whether tune in or or whatever it is, that it really hasn't impacted the advertising as much. Because other than some of the late night shows on the big stations, we pretty much always sold to the, just the local market anyway. But okay. all the uh, all the internet traffic has has really changed radio advertising. That's been the that's been the big change. Thank you, Melanie. Yes. Hi, Joe. My name is Melanie Pesco. Hey, Thank Melanie. you so much for um, for talking with us today. Your your talk is extremely um, fascinating. I'm wondering if you can share with us any um, adversity you had to overcome in your career and um, sort of what that looked like and what you might recommend to people coming up in the broadcasting field, how to, to overcome some of those challenges they may face with potential employers or people in the field. I think, you know, it, it, it may sound a little corny, but I, and, and I didn't always believe this, but I absolutely believe it now. I, I think you, you want to try to build a, a team. You want to get as many people kind of on your team as possible. That's what I was talking about a little earlier. I think the harder you try, the more people sort of buy into it. And, you know, when I was a kid, I, I used to, I used to sit in my room and, and practice reading and try to, I wanted to be a big time announcer, you know, it, Really, if you if you want to be successful in in the radio business or any business, I think it is about the relationships. I think it is it is building people you can you know get learning to finding people you can count on, who will who will help you, who you will help. Um, I think the more people you know, uh, the better it is. And there's an old adage that a friend of mine says all the time. He says that you know it's really not who you know, it's who knows you. And I think that is I think that is really true. Uh, so I, I think the, the big thing is to go out. If you want to be in radio, hang around as many peop, radio people as you can. Make as many radio friends as you can. So you'll be aware of opportunities when they come up. And you'll be ready to jump on them immediately. And really try hard and, and let people know that you're really passionate about it. You want people to see your passion. You want people to see that this is really, really important to you. It's really, in terms of the adversity issue of it, Melanie, it's, it, it's really hard for me sometimes. I, I did have in my, in my younger days, I had, there's a situation, I mean, it, it still stings me a little bit. A guy offered me a job. Um, he heard me. He had heard my tapes. He'd heard me live on the air. He said, man, you're, you're the, just the person we want. Told him, you know, I mean, I had not shared with him that I was visually impaired when, when that happened. And I have no sight. I told him I was blind. I mean, he just freaked out. And that was, <laughs> it was just, it was not going to happen. He absolutely withdrew the offer. That is, that's devastating when, especially when you're a young person and you get, 
you get that kind of, of uh, rejection. But I, I think the thing you just kind of have to do is you just have to kind of keep getting up. It's, it's really difficult to do it, but you just have to keep getting up and keep, and keep pushing forward because you have to find a way to do what it is you want to do. I don't see any hands right now. Oh, yes, I do. As every time I say that, that wakes somebody up. So there's a Matt. Hey, Joe. Uh, thanks for hey, coming to talk to us today. How are you doing? I'm good. Um, thank you. <clears throat> you mentioned earlier about the impact of Spotify and Apple Music, not only on the music industry as a whole, but now there's a lot of news out there about you know, those companies trying to seek podcasts and seek content and even licensed properties. Like I know Spotify has entered into a deal with DC comics to license their Mm -hmm. properties for audio dramas and that sort of thing. Um, What, what sort of impact do you think that's going to have, you know, on, on local radio? Do you think it's going to eat, eat way more at those advertising dollars that, traditional media you know, really depends it, it, on it's it's really interesting it it, it very well might because the, tra- the 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 pillars of traditional media have just been crumbling in terms of of advertising right now madam this is just you know joe opinion here right now we're just throwing the ball a, a lot of balls in the air to sort of see what what's going to what's going to work um iHeart and and Spotify and many other companies are trying all kinds of different things. We're we're really this is sort of the wild west era of this, and we don't know exactly how much people will will listen to, how, how loyal people are going to be. I, I do think though that that one thing we know from from TV and it's true with radio, people don't care if it's a local station. People don't care if it's a local TV station, whatever it is, you know. If they want to, I don't know, if they want to watch a, um, I don't know, if they want to watch something on TV, if they find it on Netflix, if they find it on, on Amazon Prime Video, they, they don't care. They just want to watch it. They don't care if it's a local station, if it's cable, if it's piped in. And I think the same thing is going to be true with, with uh, you know, with podcasts and 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 whatever we do from a local standpoint. I think if it's interesting people will stay with us if if they find they really don't care it's just like in the old days the record companies nobody said gosh i want to i want to buy the latest capital release they'd say i want to buy the latest bruce springsteen album if bruce goes to somewhere else you know nobody cares so i think it's going to be all about content content is is really going to drive this and i think that's going to be another challenge for the the local stations because you're seeing uh, the local stations just just don't really have those those kinds of resources and that's why you're seeing iheart advertise podcasts on its radio stations now in fact in some cases there are must carry podcasts that uh, that have to be played on some radio stations and in the iheart chain because iheart is trying so hard to make that transition person on the telephone i'm jerry slusher and joe i've listened to you many years and enjoyed listening to you okay my question to you sir is that you're welcome my question to you is back in the day uh you djs picked their own playlist is that correct and now they don't they have the clear channels pick the playlist that is to be played or how does that work at one time there was some freedom given it depending on the radio station. Now there's, 
there's almost there's well there's almost no freedom given in fact i i had a friend in in louisville here he was playing he was playing music and he dropped a song from the the playlist that he was supposed to have and a, a corporate guy from cincinnati called him what are you doing why did you drop that song so yeah they're very picky they they watch everything that that you do now it's all it's it's basically done now so that the the this jockey will have very little control the the, the researchers and the those kinds of people, they feel like they know what they're doing and they, they want to make it as uniform as possible. So yeah, there's very little at the, at the DJ level, there's very little control left. Okay. We're out of hands and I think we're out of time as well. This is Carla. If we uh, take one more little bit of time here, uh, because we're going to have some time to catch up here later, I'd like to have Joe, you talk about one more thing and, and that is tell us, about how the virtual, how working virtually has, um, has really changed your, um, your, the way, the way you kind of make it work. Boy, COVID is, has sort of exacerbated everything, right? It's just changed everything. I, I like it. I don't have to worry about Ubers. I don't have to get an Uber at four fifteen in the morning. You know, I can just roll out of bed and get ready and do it. Um, but it, it has changed so many things we are are we've seen changes at iHeart and there are more layoffs coming all around the country you've had radio some of the largest radio companies are are laying off people there are there are newsrooms newspapers that are are basically selling their buildings closing down their newsrooms because they have figured out that people can kind of work you know work from home or work on location that type of thing we don't all have to be in the same place now there's there's a lot of people who say that they miss the camaraderie and you get great ideas from talking to your you know your buddy in the next cubicle and all of those kind of things and i think there's a lot to be said for that but when the world is run by accountants i mean the bottom line almost always wins well i'm that's not true the bottom line always wins <laughs> there's no almost about that so yeah i think that's i think that's going to change a lot of things and you're 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 going to see the industry compress even more because of the virtual thing from my standpoint it's i really like it i do miss my i do miss you know getting to hang out with my friends and get a cup of coffee in the kitchen at at work and that kind of thing but it is really nice to like take off the headphones and be done. I don't have to get a ride home. I don't have to wait for a, anything. Uh, you know, it's 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 all right there for me. So, but it has it is it is clearly another thing that's that's changing the the industry. As, you know, as COVID has made such a difference in so many industries. Well, thank you very much for uh, for answering that, and thank you for coming to talk to us this morning. It's been fascinating and. It sure is a, a long journey and a, a great journey from from starting out, you know, playing the rock and roll records and so on to to all of the talk show world and the changes that we have today in the, the virtual environment. Well, we I'm really, really the, lucky, the luckiest guy, you know, and, and I'm just so grateful to have the chance to do it. And thank you so much for inviting me. As I say, I know I know many of you, some of you uh, have not had a chance to meet, but I really do appreciate you guys inviting me. And I hope you have a great rest of the convention. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. 
Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prince. Have a great week, everybody.